Hello, everyone. Um, I just have a couple things to let you know real quick. One, um, we have been conducting a consumer survey, is that what they're called, on Instagram to find out what you all want our new Be Gay Do Crime Revenge cartoon uh, design on. And the overwhelming answer has been stickers, which means that we need to do a pre-order so that we can afford to order the stickers. So we only need to sell 30 in order to cover the cost of ordering the stickers. And um, that does mean that they will be a limited run. So you should uh, head to hashtag ruthless.com slash shop to order yours now. And you know, if we don't sell 30 of them, you'll get your money back. There's no risk involved. Um, While you're in our shop, maybe check out the portraits that I'm offering as a way to help cover my dog Rufio's vet bills. They're extremely cute and, you know, make great gifts. Maybe you'll want one. One more thing, two more things. First of two, I want to say thank you to Controlled Abandon and Owl Fay for leaving us five-star written reviews on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews are extremely helpful. They make us really happy. So if you love the show, please uh, consider heading to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star written review. Lastly, please consider joining our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. All of the episodes go up early and with bonus content. And you also get newsletters from me and Jesse. You can hang out with Jesse on Discord, along with all sorts of other stuff. You know, you get access to our Buffy podcast. We are the Gayers. We do advice episodes twice a year. It's just real cool. So again, patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless for that. Hashtag ruthless.com slash shop for stickers or portraits. We're on Instagram if you want to participate in future consumer surveys. Uh, that's Instagram.com slash hashtag ruthless pods. And that's it. Let's listen to the episode. Avast ye and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I am Lark Malachi Gray, and I'm looking for a vessel so as I can turn into a bird. And I am Jesse Blount. And it's the first time I've been on this side of a walk of shame. And today we are talking about uh, episode four of season two, Fun and Games, in which the crew banishes Ed, which, shocker, does not help with anyone's trauma, Ed and Steed have the worst double date ever with infamous lady pirates and friends of Ed, Mary Reed, and Anne Bonnie, and see which buttons lives his best life by becoming a seagull. All right, yeah, so now we're going to get started with Talk It Through as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I just want to say that I love the return of the uh, revenge crew staff meeting that we get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. I don't everyone's back together. <laughs> I I would I don't know if this is like nitpicking. I would call it a house meeting more than a staff this meeting. This is true. It feels it feels more like housemates. Yeah. This is true. Everyone's trying to be like, but this guy is kind of a problem. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh. <laughs> um this is actually a question that I have. I found the first time that I watched this and again today that I'm I'm really confused about what they did to kill Ed because we saw them 
smash his head with a cannonball. Absolutely nothing about his physical body appears to have been smashed by anything. So I'm like, why were you dead? What did they do? What's happening? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I I guess I assume that it's sort of vague as to not totally answer the question about like, yeah, how are you this close to death but able to bounce back so quickly? Mm-hmm. Besides like plot the like the plot demands it. So um I guess I assume that instead of using a cannonball, they just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like real bad. All right. <laughs> so and I mean, again, uh, Steed got gut-stabbed, as we're often reminded of, and lived, which is completely miraculous. So. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the return of yet another uh, banishment sandwich joke. <laughs> I liked that, too. <laughs> I just, I love Roach so much. And he's just like, everyone, even if you're being banished, you need a sandwich for your for the ride Mm -hmm. yeah he's like he's like everyone's grandmother he's like you're driving an hour home from my house do you need 20 dollars for gas do you have enough water it's like is everything all right do you need an oil change i know (laughs) it's very sweet um one of my biggest joys from this episode is the part where ed and and bonnie have a secret handshake oh my god it's so funny. I'm just yeah. like, guys, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, okay, I have a question for you. Okay. What do you think Olawande put in that pinata? <laughs> oh, gosh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, here's my guess, having not thought about it for 12 seconds, is that there's nothing in the pinata. Like, as far as they know, the point is just to, like, hit a thing to get your feelings out. That makes a lot of sense. Which honestly checks out too, as far as like therapeutic techniques go. I mean, that is that for as an adult, I'm like, I would love to just hit a pinata for a while. Whatever is inside yeah. of it is pretty. It doesn't actually matter. Right. Yeah, the healthy version of punching walls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're right. There's there's nothing inside of that pinata. No, there's nothing. I mean, what would there's nothing they could put in there? Yeah, I guess I'm like. I guess actually that ship is full of treasure is it yeah mm-hmm. so could be treasure it could be gold coins <laughs> yeah it could just like rain down <laughs> coins and jewels and stuff um i okay i liked that we were set up for such a beautiful return of the i object to the word whim line but then they didn't take it and i was disappointed so I'm like kind of unsure how I feel ab- about it. I'm like glad that we're all using the word whim with the with the H emphasized again. That's fun. <laughs> but like I kind of wish that we had gotten the exact line again. I don't know. What are your feelings? I think that I think that I think just because that conversation is important to like the overall plot of this season and like to Ed and Steed's growth. I think if this episode had been I don't know, maybe eight to ten minutes longer, which I think that it should have been. We could have had that. Okay. So. I didn't think that that, I mean, Steed and Mary's conversation where that line first occurs is a very serious conversation and that line doesn't take away from it. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. (laughs) Missed opportunity. 
Um, yeah, what else do you have here? Um, okay, I just have a couple more things, which is, and maybe just because whenever you posted our episode about uh, the Can't Stop the Music, <laughs> when Mary is like, oh, you, you have a type, Ed, it's always been artsy outsiders, and I'm just like, yet another way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so true. <laughs> um, I'm actually done here, so it's all you. So my last thing is that nothing makes me laugh harder than the fact that Mary and Anne are selling antiques because the gays just do love to sell antiques. I'm just like, of course they are. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's all. I'm just like, that's perfect. Yeah, it is. You're right. Welcome to Brigade of Imbeciles, where we talk about character development. I mainly have Buttons here today. <laughs> this is really Buttons' episode as far as character development, I think. Because uh, he's a bird now. And everyone leading up to Buttons becoming a bird is like, checks out. You know? He's like, I'm going to be a bird. And everyone's like, Yeah. You are. Sounds true. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Like, cool. <laughs> I, I'm i happy for him, you know? Yeah, really, really good uh, character send-off for Buttons. <laughs> yeah, I wish it wasn't a send-off. I did not expect him to be gone after this. I was actually really shocked that he was off the show because I was, I guess I was just like, yeah, but you're like a magic bird now. Like, surely you're now one of those, you know, shape changers you can turn back into. Yeah. Into buttons, you know. Yeah, I guess I heard. I think I read a read a rumor that maybe they could not afford to have that actor on this season, considering the budget cuts. Um, um which is again too bad because what a great character Buttons is. Um, but yeah, it is. It also just feels very accurate. They're like, oh yeah, of course you would <laughs> turn into a seagull in the middle of this of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. So I have just a little bit about Ed and Steed and a little bit about our B plot with the crew. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we get some much needed communication between Steed and Ed in this episode. And I do love that we get this very, like, for most of this episode, the very, you know, strong uh, estranged exes having a, like, most most awkward dinner party. (laughs) Like when like Ed and Steed are like literally like two opposite ends of a couch and they're like, oh, how did you guys meet? And it's like, oh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's so good, I think. And then when Ed and Steed finally have a chance to talk and sort of hash out some of their, some assumptions, I think, at least on Ed's part and also on Steed's part. I think it's, I think it's really nice that we get them communicating and also just to have this undercurrent of, of like, Oh, well I guess compared to, uh, Anne and Mary, our issues are really not. that. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that whole conversation, I was just like, it just felt like, I guess maybe it would have felt to Steed like he was offering excuses, but what happened with Chauncey feels like such a pivotal moment in what went wrong with him leaving with ed that i just was like he he needs that information like i think that would be so 
helpful to Ed emotionally to know that Steed, part of Steed panicking came from this like incredibly fucked up bizarre thing that happened. Like I would want to know that there was like the panic wasn't just about leaving with me to go to China. It was also like this dude that I knew my childhood bully tried to murder me and then like accidentally killed himself. Like while, while like literally voicing some of the like, your like low self-esteem issues like out loud to you to like right as if like oh no this is confirmation that the things the worst things i feel about myself are true it is right weird that that doesn't come up here because that is very important to the whole context yeah of what is happening or what had happened yeah um yeah i don't i don't have anything else here so my only other thing is that i like that like Roach and Olawande and Pete and Wee John like had their heart in the right place about being like, wow, our friends are having an, having some issues and we really need to try to reach them and like help them in a healthy emotional space. Even though I'm like, I don't know if surprises is really the thing that was going to help, but like I really just appreciate the like still being like, we, you know, we... We have a small basis about how to help each other out and create a safe space. Let, let's try it. Yeah. And just the like, this would have worked in season one, but it's not working here is like, obviously very sad, but also a little funny. <laughs> Be like, we made a cake and a pinata. And I'm like, that's so nice. It is so nice. I I <laughs> really do love that they're like, these are people that we care about a lot and they're clearly struggling and we need to try and figure out a way to make them feel better friendships we love friendships i know here for it welcome to do you fancy a fine fabric where we talk about aesthetics and remember we do an image roundup for every episode so if you want to look at what we're talking about while we talk about it click the link in the show notes or head to hashtag ruthless.com slash the gay pirate podcast and you can um Weejon stealing every scene that he's in in this season so far, like out hotting every other incredibly hot person on this cast. Truly, just just winning. Holy shit! His his knit mesh top is just I. It is so good. You know that he knit that himself, and I am, like, so here for, yes, how hot it is, but also just, like, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, his eyeliner, I think, is, like, more than last season. His hair is a little longer. Just, like, <sighs> sorry, everyone who can hear Rufio snoring. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's, I just, like, he's, like, barely in these scenes, but he's, like, the main thing that your eye is drawn to in every scene, because you're just, like, oh, my God, like, you are so beautiful. Yeah, it is really awesome, and, yeah, really incredible. Yeah, that's, like, my first thing also, because I'm just, like, (laughs) this knit top. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What is your next thing? I mean, I think that really the other sort of thing that sticks out is... um, 
both uh mary and Anne's outfits for this episode like yeah M- mary is wearing a very like cowboy western inspired look not as like gross looking as calico jack's outfit was in season one but still very i think i think she's wearing chaps in one of these scenes i can't really tell but it is it is a very interesting look uh and then Anne's outfit is just like corset tits out like these like form-fitting like striped pants like she looks she looks great yeah no it's incredible they have like Someone was like, what if we took just, like, the most stereotypical, like, butch femme lesbian relationship and then we just, like, ran it through a pirate filter and this is what they got? And I'm like, yeah, great. Nailed it. Yeah, I feel like there are already... I know that, like, Renaissance festivals are Renaissance vibe, but there's also a lot of pirates at Renaissance festivals, I've noticed. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, there are definitely... Uh, queer ladies who already are wearing this outfit and like are like cool I have a very easy Halloween costume this year <laughs> oh yeah totally <laughs> the cosplay for a like a specific subset of our flag means death fans they're like wow I don't have to buy anything not a single thing <laughs> <laughs> for all of you I say congratulations yes and if you too want to look like this you just look up your local state's a renaissance festival and there will be people selling all of those pieces there <laughs> yeah totally <sighs> welcome to stark revelations where we talk about things that are fucked up this episode starts really poorly with a domestic abuse joke that is like you guys, this is something that I would expect to see in something that came out in, like, 1997. Like, I think we have been done with the that's-what-they-all-say joke for at least two decades. So, like, what is it doing here? Yeah, that is... what. What a good point. I don't know what this is doing here. We really didn't need it. No, it's bad. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no notes that could have been could have been played differently. Very. My uh, only other politics thing that's not about Anne and Mary is about Ed opening up to this rabbit emotionally, and then for it to become dinner later on is like pretty fucked up. <laughs> I hate it. It's like we'll talk. I'm. I think we're going to have to talk at some point in this episode about the fact that I think this is the worst episode so far this season. But like the little moment of Ed connecting with this rabbit, I feel like I was like starting to get happy, you know, about the episode. And then I and I feel like this is sort of over and over where I'm like, this episode is just not good, is that it's like sets up a joke and then the joke is just like not funny and it's not funny for this rabbit to be killed like if he'd been like i feel like we're you know best friends now and the rabbit had then just like hopped away into the brush that would have been fine if he had scooped it up and the rabbit was his pet for the rest of the season that would have been fine 
killing the rabbit. I'm like, you, why did, why, why? This isn't funny. Like the, this did not contribute anything positive to this episode. Yeah, it is deeply weird. And also I feel like honestly, the whole through line joke with the rabbit is like kind of weird. And not just because there's part of me that's like, as someone who briefly went through a hyperfixation about like what it would take to keep meat rabbits. I'm like, if you're eating a rabbit, the cleaning of the innards of the rabbit is not difficult. So I'm like, why are you all eating this gross rabbit? You should not probably be eating that actually. No, it's not safe. The fact that also it like come, they bring it back with like buttons being like, this was a really intelligent rabbit is also shitty. I agree with you that the, like, setup for the whole thing... I don't know why they did, like, the wolf thing. I'm like, can't we just have Ed, like, having a cute moment with a rabbit? I don't know. It's kind of weird. But I liked him laying on the ground talking to a bunny. Like, I'm good with that. I guess I, guess I assume that this is just, like... I don't know. I think it was just trying to tease out where it's, like... Is this just... Is it a joke about Ed still being partly in the gravy basket? Or part of it where... Sometimes Ed's perception of reality is maybe not is maybe skewed towards a like, I don't know, the most tough pirate shit and not the most like Ed being in touch with his like not tough, violent pirate feelings. Right. Because I think I guess I think about that kind of in the way where in whatever episode we get where Fang and Ed are talking and Ed's like, no, we used to have a great time on the ship. And Fang's like, I was literally screaming. And Ed's like, you real? What? You were? And it's like, I'm sorry. And I think sometimes you're grasping what's happening is like through a very different filter of like what everyone else would say is happening. Yeah. So, yeah. I think a season, like I, a scenario in which for the rest of the season, Ed just like had a rabbit in his pocket would have been like so much better <laughs> clearly the animal therapy is working for ed you know uh we see that this they see the crew is really into art therapy that really is helpful good to know like different kind yeah. of therapy for everyone <laughs> right exactly <laughs> i think that when you've come back from the gravy basket the least you deserve is to have an emotional support animal truly um yeah what else um, really, the only other thing I have besides this is about uh, Anne and Mary and like my sort of complicated feelings about uh, <laughs> about them and their place in this episode, I think. Yeah, I think that I want to start off with saying that another played out joke slash trope is a sort of married couple that hates each other. <laughs> So boring. And I don't think that having it be hot, mean ladies brings anything necessarily to the table. Because there are some played out tropes where it's like, well, they're played out with heterosexual couples, but like if it's like queer, it's like actually bringing something fresh. I don't know if this is doing that necessarily. I mean, but isn't even like within like the queer community, like lesbian bed death is already a trope to the point where it has a name. Yeah. So like, it's not, no, I think it's very boring. I mean, we had an entire episode last season where we were like, so delighted to talk about 
Mary and Doug and like adult love and like relationships. And this is literally the opposite of that. And I just, I think it's really boring and it's really not funny. I feel like I watched this episode, like most of the episode with my face, like, like, what is happening? Why am I looking at this? Just like the tone, like the tone is like everywhere. And so it's like every time they try to make a joke, you're like, but everything else that's happened in this scene is so not funny that the joke just feels weird. Like it feels weird to try and make a joke in the middle of this scene because like this is not the vibe that you've created right now. And I and I think that part of it is because I think if if the point of having Anne and Mary here as a like look another queer pirate couple wow pirates are really bad at dealing with their feelings <laughs> like I think that there could have been a more effective way of showing that and. I don't know if this is also a thing where an additional eight to 10 minutes to like have more space to be like nuance could have made it better. Maybe there were some things that were cut that just like makes this feel really weird because it's like, I can kind of see what they're trying to do, which is that like pirates are bad at feelings. Let's have our end and scene this like terrible double date to be like, you know, we, we can maybe talk through some of our issues because we're not at this, <laughs> we're not at this place where even though, I mean, I guess there was some erotic stabbing in season one. It's like not quite at the, <laughs> I'm poisoning you just to feel something like weird kink right. kind of area. And it just, I think really does a disservice to what could have, I think been a fun, like there's a, there's, there's a version of this that's more fun where it's like, Man, like Anne and Mary have this like real weird fucking relationship, but it's still kind of fun, but also maybe just more based on feeling like that they actually do love each other and not the the sort of a like, well, we're together and there's not So do you do you remember the like my lover skits from Saturday Night Live in the like early thousands? I do. I think that that would have been an excellent alternative. <laughs> Like, them making Ed and Steed so uncomfortable with their, like, overt, like, excessive displays of, like, attraction to one another and also getting, like, way too deeply personal in, like, the questions that they're asking so that they want to leave and be like, oh, my God, those people are freaks. I think it could have ended with them still realizing that they both hate selling antiques in the swamp and being like, let's burn our house down and go back to piracy. That still would have been great. But, like, they could have been a very uncomfortable couple to be around in a way that was like fun and funny and where they're still like happy and in love and maybe just overcompensating for the fact that they both think the other person wants to be selling antiques in a swamp. Yeah. Or they even could have gone the route where they're where Ed and Steed sort of become like their like couples counselor. Because clearly that's like, y'all are also not doing a very good job communicating with your partner. (laughs) And like, that could have been 
really funny where it's like either of them are like giving, you know, giving them advice of varying degrees of like hilarity slash effectiveness. Yeah. Or I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it's important to be like, look, all pirates are fucked up. Like, we know that. That's not like necessary. Like, wouldn't it? I think it could have been fine, too, to be like, wow, look, two pirates can be in love and communicate and be happy together, like inspiring for Ed and Steed to communicate with one another in that way, as opposed to in a we don't want to be them way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just feel like this season, every time they were presented with an opportunity to go like fun and kind or like mean and dark they just like went mean and dark every time and it's like but why yeah yeah i mean i'm not sure i feel like i feel like maybe the end result is to be a like and i'm not saying this is necessarily maybe a good way of showing it but again to be like and and instead they're still actually doing doing all right (laughs) even after considering and i'm like and i don't necessarily agree with the way that they are showing that but i feel like that's just sort of because like why else have mary and Anne be like the most fucked up <laughs> queer relationship here yeah i don't know uh which honestly also feels kind of weird because i know that like one of the one of the big things that a lot of people really wanted for this season was to have more queer lady pirates and i'm like Again, I'm like, and it's a like, it's, it feels a very much a like, not like this, <laughs> sort of. Right. And they don't even kiss. I don't know why I was really bothered by the fact that they just hug at the end. You know, I, I watched, I think I ended up watching it twice today. And I think I caught that at the end. Cause I'm like, they, they certainly kiss at the end. I'm like, oh no, they're actually hugging. That is weird that yeah. we don't see them kiss. Yeah. I don't know. Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Since we have here this episode, the show going very hard on actual sea witch buttons with actual sea magic. I'm like, you could have really embraced some more soft fantasy here. Like, we get a lot of it in season one where it's like, the weather is perfect. We're great. We're just sailing, having gay adventures. And I'm like, we could have had more fantasy. <laughs> you could have handled a lot more things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah agreed and then my my second thing is a little bit of a question because so we had this line from archie and where she's like yeah can we talk about the like fucked up sleeping arrangements on this ship and i'm like what are currently the sleeping arrangements actually on this ship right now because i'm actually deeply curious and i guess i'm just Curious if this is just Archie being like, how come only like three people get a room on this ship or what? That's a great question. I don't know either. I mean, I guess last season we saw everyone but uh, Jim and Elawande slept on deck and Steed obviously slept in his captain's cabin. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, is this just because that Frenchie and we John are sharing a room again, which I would really love, but I don't think it's actually happening. <laughs> right. Do we get the impression in the next episode that Archie and Jim and Olawande are all sharing the room? That was sort of my impression of the next episode. 
So, um, but maybe that is a thing that only happens because of this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. So, because I'm like, you probably wouldn't be complaining if you're the only person, if you were sharing one of the only closed bedrooms on the ship. Right. But uh, maybe you are. I don't know. Is that the room that Izzy is in right now? What room is Izzy in? I think Izzy is in a smaller room that is not the room people room. Maybe it's the former ball pit. Yeah. Or a former whatever room is not currently shoved full of treasure room also. Right. (laughs) Because how big is this ship on the inside? Who knows? It doesn't matter. No one knows. (laughs) Um, I can't believe neither of us mentioned the fact that Anne and Bonnie had like a house goat. I actually think that might be one of the most important things about this episode. (laughs) (laughs) A A house goat and house chickens. I'm le- I care much less about having house chickens than I do about having a house goat. I really just think it's funny because it's clearly like you don't care about all of these antiques if you just have a goat hanging out. This is like in your house. <laughs> I know. It's like a big goat, too. It's not It's a very pretty goat. Yeah, it's a gorgeous goat, but it's like as tall as me. Like it's a huge goat. And I was like, nice. It's like the size of a like big German shepherd, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that goat weighs a hundred pounds and it's just like in your house. That's excellent. Yeah. Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. So I don't actually know if this is sexy, but I noticed that when uh, when Steed walks up to Anne about the like, is this stuff for sale? When she first sees Steed, she's like has like a little silver dish in her hand, and then she just starts like rubbing it like over her tit. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so weird, but also so thirsty. And I'm just like, what the fuck? That's really funny. It's, it's very subtle, but it's like I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, nice. Welcome to the Crystals Attract Demons, where we talk about science and history and stuff. And for the first time this season, I'm going to get out the terrible history book. Woo-hoo! For anyone who didn't listen to season one, this is a his- history book that is written for middle schoolers called The Short and Bloody History of Knights, Spies, and Pirates. It's very bad, and it's the only uh, source of history that we used last season, but we mostly used it all up, so I haven't been able to use it this time. Uh, We did talk about Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed last season in the context of Calico Jack. I will be reading something that, that we already read, but, like, look, it's been a while, you know? So, Anne, Bonnie... Notorious lady pirate. Uh, She was born in Ireland in the late 17th century, the illegitimate daughter of a well-known lawyer. Um, So his wife kicked him out when he learned that he had had an affair with the maid and Anne was his and the maid's child. He was super fond of her and he was like, little Anne, you should come live with me. But like, we can't tell people that you're my daughter because it's the olden days and you're not a legitimate child. Um, So he had her dress up as a boy um, and was like, this is my clerk in training basically. But then they got found out and they all had to move to America as you do to escape bad press, you know? (laughs) 
But it says, Anne was a wild child with a real sense of adventure and a talent for boxing. She got together with and married a young trainee pirate called James Bonney, and together they sailed to the Bahamas to look for trouble. To cut a short story even shorter, she fell out with her husband and fell in with the swashbuckling Calico Jack, a much-hunted pirate captain. With him, she stole a ship and started her true pirate career. But pirate ships didn't allow women, let alone wives, on board, so Anne simply reverted to what she knew best and masqueraded as a man again. Enter Mary Reed. Mary Reed was born in Britain towards the end of the 17th century. Um, Her mother's husband had run off to sea before Mary was born. Uh, So mom already had a son and then got pregnant again almost immediately after her husband ran off. So Mary was an illegitimate child also. Her son died and then Mary dressed as a boy to like take his place basically so that she wouldn't again have to admit to having an illegitimate child. And then at 13, Mary got a job as a footboy in a London manor, but was bored and so ran away to sea as a boy, obviously. And she joined the army, fell in love with a dude who was like oh, hey, you're actually a lady. Sounds good, I guess. Um, And then they left the army, started a pub. He died. And then she was like, I don't like running a pub. Also bored again. And so became, you know, dressed as a man again and reenlisted, captured by pirates, and then joined Calico Jack and Anne Bonnie's ship. It says... Mary found herself in the same crew as Calico Jack and the other man-slash-woman Anne Bonny. Oh dear, oh dear, Anne Bonny found herself attracted to the dashing young man, and eventually it became necessary for Mary and Anne to compare notes, so to speak. So, canonic, canonic, real-life lesbian pirate couple. So they continued dressing as men. They were a formidable team. Their crew were anchored off the island of Jamaica and were attacked by a British naval sloop. Calico Jack and all of the dudes were below decks, super drunk, sleeping it off. And so Anne and Mary fought off the army single-handedly. But eventually, two people were not able to do this whole thing. So uh, they turned on their shipmates who were hiding below and called them all cowards and killed and injured several of their own crewmates because fuck those guys. I mean, truly. Truly. And so Calico Jack and the rest of the dudes were executed, but Mary and Anne both got pregnant because you weren't allowed to hang a pregnant woman. So they just got to live the rest of their lives. They weren't very long. Mary died pretty shortly thereafter but my favorite part of this is that Anne Bonnie went to visit Calico Jack in prison while he was waiting to be executed and told him that if he had fought like a man he wouldn't be about to be hanged like a dog what a bad bitch what a bad bitch I love them Mm -hmm. and obviously not that this show is taking much from the actual historical records of these real life pirates um it really would have been funny, though, to have to have uh, at some point Anne and Mary talking shit about Caligo Jack. Oh, it would have been so good. Who is just what a dis- despicable character. Maybe the most despicable character. No, third most despicable character of season <laughs> one. 
yeah. Yeah, if we'd had more time with them, I think in my dream world, them burning down their antiques shop would have meant that they joined the crew and we had had them, you know, in a world where their relationship was very different, but they would have stayed on for the rest of the season because that would have been great. It would have been very funny or at least, right, something. Or they could have came back at another episode. Yeah. Um, I only have two small things here. Okay. Number one, uh, when I was trying to look up some trivia about this episode, uh, a lot of people brought up that the dynamics between Mary and Anne are very reminiscent of the dynamics of two of the main characters of the play Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Which, for the record, I've never seen, but it's about two couples having a dinner party and... From what I can gather, at least two of them hate each other. <laughs> and the other couple is okay. just like, and the other couple is just like, okay, we're just here trying to have a good time. So maybe potentially an explanation about like why we get these dynamics specifically. But again. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. And I probably actually won't because uh, fun story. The family, either that playwright or the family that playwright are like, how dare you cast people of other races in this play because it was clearly written for just like there was a whole thing like a year like a couple years ago where i'm like i've never i've only heard this play because the name and it's also like what the fuck are you talking about yeah no that's gross anyway my second thing is that someone found the bowl that buttons uses as his vessel on the internet i'm gonna send you the listing because it is actually a very cute little bowl <laughs> cute it is very cute it has a little, has a little crab on it it's yeah it does. it's just a very just like nautical theme bowl and i'm like i don't know that's very cute and i guess if you live in the uk only 22 pounds so very affordable unofficial <laughs> our flag means death merch <laughs> nice all right and those are my only two things here Welcome to our final segment, Petrified Orange, where we talk about our new favorite things. Uh, My new favorite thing is that for some reason, it is so funny to me that the vessel that Buttons needs is not so that he can like put spell ingredients in it to like make a spell, but he has to put himself in it (laughs) by putting it on his head. (laughs) That's just like so silly. And then it's a mixing bowl and not... Like a bathtub. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, My favorite thing is when Ed is talking to the rabbit, he's talking about how he has a spider tattooed on one of his hands that he thought would help improve his fear of spiders, and it has not. <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it too. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Don't forget, we make a bunch of other podcasts that you should check out. Everything's in the show notes. And until next time. Farewell, Bonnet's Playthings. Playthings.